Welcome back to the Salty Community Podcast. I am Colleen, and we are a community of people dedicated to helping you grow your personal relationship with Jesus. We emphasize the truth and foundation of Scripture and give you tools and opportunities to experience Jesus in a personal and unique way for you. The kingdom of God invites us into an interactive relationship with Him. It is our desire and focus to help this be a reality for each person. This group becomes a safe place for you to grow into more of what the Holy Spirit has for you. Hey, this is Deanna. Um, So this week on the podcast, we are going to be talking about the battle that is happening around us. Now, I do not mean any war that is happening on planet Earth right this second. Um, This is a battle that is happening in the spirit realm. This is another example of why it is so important to understand that there is a spirit realm and that things are happening in the spirit realm that we can't see with our physical eyes. It requires our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears to fully understand some of the things that are talked about in scripture because they are happening in the spirit realm and therefore we have to be aware of that realm and participating in that realm. So... Today, um, on this podcast, we are going to be talking about a battle that is happening in the spirit realm that you are either involved with, actively fighting, or that you may be in some other sort of situation within the battle. Because the battle we know from scripture is happening whether we are participating or not. So Colleen is going to give us some, a little bit more information about the battle and that the weapons that God gives us to fight with. Okay, so... This battle, first, of course, like Deanna said, we have to acknowledge that it's there. Um, And when we utilize this spiritual realm um, for good, we also have to recognize that there is an evil um, in the world and that it exists as well. Um, You you don't call it a battle unless there's a good person and a bad person, right? Um, So... First of all, Paul talks about this battle, or he, he gives an a, um, illustration of armor in the book of Ephesians. Um, but I was curious, and my brain was like, I wonder if he got this from some other place. Because so many times in Scripture, um, just like Jesus, Jesus quoted out of the Old Testament. So I was curious, I wonder if Paul got this armor from another prophet, which happens a lot in scripture, right? So my curiosity in the moment um, got me, and there actually is a place in the Old Testament where Paul talks about this. I did not know this, but um, he gave it to me. So in Isaiah 59, so Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament that is talking about a lot of um, the sins of the Israelites and then the redemption of God. Um, So in a place where um, the Lord is speaking through Isaiah and talking about the Redeemer of Zion, which is his people, um, God actually armors up, which I think is so cool. I think it's super cool. So in Isaiah 59, we're going to start in verse 17. For he put on, so he being God, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, according, he will repay. So I think it's so interesting. And then at the end of that um, 
at the end of that chapter in Isaiah, he talks about the covenant that he made with his people. And he reminds his people that for generation and generations that his word would go forth through his people. So that's kind of where Paul gets his foundation of the armor. And I think it's really cool that God armored up for his people um, and that we interact in this spiritual place and we put on this armor as well. So we're going to start. So for in Romans, it's chapter six. The armor starts Romans chapter six. Yeah, it's Romans chapter six. Mm-mm. It's Ephesians chapter oh. six. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Ephesians. <laughs> You know, okay, so in my defense, Romans is written in my Bible because <laughs> I write in my Bible. Yes. Um, right at the top, Romans 8, I was like, wonder why? Uh, anyway, so Ephesians <laughs> chapter 6. Sorry, guys. Ephesians chapter 6. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, it starts in verse 10 uh, and goes all the way to the end of the chapter. So it's at the very end of the book. So Paul writes a letter to the Ephesians, and this is his final words to those people in, in that area and to us as well. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So let's talk a little bit about this devil because there's lots of places in scripture that describes him. Um, So let's talk about how scripture describes him. Um, He is the accuser of the brethren. And this reminds me so much of my marriage. And when I get in a conflict with my husband, the immediate thing that I want to do is blame or accuse. And I was sitting in counseling one day and my counselor said, you have to understand that blame comes from the devil. And that when you decide to blame, the devil is getting space. Um, And it creates a united front between you and your spouse because now you know who's getting in the way and that even though it's coming out of your spouse's mouth, it's really the enemy just getting space in that area. Um, so he is the accuser of the brethren. Um, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. Um, there are spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, which I think is the next, is the next verse. Verse four, we do not wrestle. Verse 12, verse 12. Did I say four? See, you know, when it gets messed up, it just gets messed up. Anyway. So we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of the age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So, like Deanna said, we have to engage in this battle. Um, We have to know that it's there, and we have to engage in it. So Paul talks about these pieces of this armor that we have. We're not walking around on earth in a full armored suit, but he is giving us a picture of something that we can understand um, for a spirit that has spiritual significance. Um, So he talks about a breastplate of righteousness and to put on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. Um, He talks about a belt of truth and a helmet of salvation and a shield of faith. if you recognize these um, pieces of armor, all of them are for protection. We put them on, except for the sword of the spirit, which Deanna is going to talk about. Um, we wear a shield of faith so that we can withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. Um, 
So we have to have our faith. We have to have faith, right? And, and wear it as a, um, as a protection so that the devil won't have space to get in. Um, we walk with the, um, the shoes of peace. So that when we walk out things and we spread the gospel, that we do it in peace. Um, That is protection for us. I think that's really, really interesting that it's protection that we do this from a place of peace, that we walk things out in peace and that we gird our belt with truth, Um, that the word of God holds everything together. I think talking about the belt of truth. Now, we know we have a sword that is our the word of God, which we use to defend. It also protects and holds things together. Um, and then we wear the breastplate of righteousness. So that's our armor. That's what um, how Paul describes it to us, that we are going to use it and be engaged in this battle. And at the very, after he describes all of these things, he says, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit. So where, where do we use it? How do we, how do we, once we get it on, where do we use it? We use it in prayer. We use it in this spiritual realm in communication um, with God. Um, And supplication, I looked at the definition of this word and it says um, to humbly plea for to humbly plea for. And it, it, the definition actually talked about a posture of kneeling, that we kneel and we pray and we humbly um, plead for, in battle, for our friends, for ourselves. Um, and that's how we access and use our armor. Awesome. So Colleen left out the sword because we were going to leave that for <laughs> me to talk about. Um But before we jump into talking about our sword, one of the things that I want to kind of highlight, go backwards a little bit and highlight is that we are, why are we wearing this armor? It is so that we can stand because the battle is won, right? Jesus won the battle on the cross, but the enemy would like to take out as many of us as possible and make us ineffective, make us steal from us, steal the goodness that God has for us, steal the identity that God has for us. The enemy isn't just trying to do physical damage here. He would also like to wreak havoc Mm -hmm. in our minds and in our hearts. And so those are places that the armor protects from him. If we are wearing a helmet of salvation and we are truly believing that we are saved, that is protecting our mind. Mm -hmm. So the purpose of the armor at times, especially your sword, which we're fixing to talk about, which is the offensive weapon that we are given, it is to help us stand. In this, in if when Paul is talking to the Ephesians here, he continually keeps saying, "So that you can stand, doing all that you can, stand firm, stand." Therefore, he just keeps saying, "Stand." It is not so much that we have to go out and win. A battle. The battle is won. What we have to do is to protect those around us that God has put in our care and also so that we can stand firm in the truth of what he has already accomplished. The, Like I said, the enemy would love to steal and to um, undermine what we are allowed and what we have access to because of the victory in Christ. The enemy knows he is already lost. He knows that his time is short. And the more havoc that he can just create here, the more chaos 
then he gets a small level of satisfaction of stealing from God because he, you know, the best way to hurt someone is to take something that is important to them. And we are, as God's children, are incredibly important. So having us as prisoners of war or having us defeated and beat down would absolutely play into what the enemy is trying to do. So we need to be aware of this battle so that we can stand, so that we can stand firm in the truth of what Jesus has already done. We don't have to go into this battle worrying about who's going to win or who's going to lose. We have read the end of the story. We know that we are on the winning side. So that alone should add some confidence in our ability to use these weapons. And as your relationship with God grows, as your time spent in with Jesus, he will teach you how to use these weapons so that you can stand firm. Your relationship with him is the very thing that strengthens your sword arm, that strengthens that hand that has to hold your shield of faith. It also will increase the size of your faith. Therefore, your shield will grow and things will no longer be able to rock you so. Um, If you can imagine a soldier holding a little bitty shield um, and arrows coming at him, it's not going to do him nearly the good that is if his faith was large and the shield would grow. So it's not just about having a large shield. It's also about letting um, Jesus teach us how to use that shield. And so what we want to spend some time right now with is the sword. Our sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, right? And um, I'm going to ask you to do a little stretch here, and we're going to do a little chat about Greek language. So in the Greek, the word word can be translated two different ways in Greek. In fact, so Greek was the original language of the New Testament, and then it was, of course, translated. So in Greek, the word word has two separate words. One is logos. Um, it's L-O-G-O-S, and that word in the original in the Greek means the full body of Scripture. It means the spoken and written word of God in its entirety. So we need to see it as a bigger picture. It's like saying all of what God has spoken. It's like a big thing, the truth of God, the full truth of God, okay? Then there is another word, which is rima, that is spelled R-H-E-M-A in the English, and that is the now word of God. It is what God is speaking to you now. And so this, I'm sure, has happened to you where you are reading scripture and something kind of jumps out at you and gets your attention, or you're listening to a sermon and it really pierces you. That is what God is speaking to you now. That is a now rima word of God. So in this context, in Ephesians, when it says sword, our sword is the word of God. It is the rima. It is that now word of God. Now, how do you get those now words of God? You learn to hear his voice. Mm -hmm. So that is another reason why practicing to using our spiritual ears and getting in relationship is so important because that now word is what empowers the sword that you are carrying it allows it to have far more effect than just a sword that doesn't have any power. So what do we know about the word of God? What do we know? We know from Hebrews that it is alive and that it is active. What that means is when you come to scripture every single time, if you ask the Holy Spirit to work with you as you are reading your word, 
something new will come up because it is alive and active and it will apply and it will speak to exactly where you're at. Um, I write in my Bible a lot. Colleen just told us she writes in her Bible a lot. And when you do this, the neat thing about doing that or highlighting is when you go back months later, weeks later, even years later to a different part of scripture, um, different places will jump out at you. I was um, reading today in my Bible in First John, and I was like, why didn't I highlight this part? I like this part now. But I had not highlighted it the last time I read First John, which was only like a month ago. So God will speak through his word in a Rima way, in a now way, through his Holy Spirit, because the word is alive and active. Only scripture can say that. You can't say that about your favorite book to read or some Harry Potter. You may see something new, but something that can touch your heart and do something, only God's word can do that. Also, Paul tells us in in 2 Timothy that... God's word is useful for us. Now, when he was talking about God's word, he was talking about the Old Testament. It was useful for correcting and encouraging and exhorting and instructing and teaching all these things. God's word is useful for us in so many different ways. And all of God's scripture, according to Romans, was written for our benefit. It's something that we are able to um, learn from grow from. We learn from the endurance that they had. We learn from uh, the stories and all the ways that the Old Testament points to Jesus. So God's word, your Bible, my Bible, it is a powerful tool when we know how to use it well. It is a sword that can do a whole lot to bring victory to your life. Now, a couple of things I want to say. Colleen talked about that our battle is not with flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. So your Bible and the scripture that you learn is not used to beat up other people. Um, When I was growing up, this was something I watched happen all the time. Um, I grew up in a household where I really knew my Bible. And so I was able to use it to judge people. I was able to use it to have debates with people. I was using it to get my way. That was never what scripture was meant for. Scripture, God's word, is not meant to beat up other people. It is for our good, and it is to be used to battle things that we cannot see with our eyes. It is used to do battle in the spirit realm. So if you or I am believing a lie about something, then we go to scripture to find the truth that combats that lie. That is the opposite. So it's one thing to say, well, I'm believing a lie that um, I'm just not very worthy. I'm not very good. I'm not good enough. Well, the truth is I'm a child of God. First John tells us we are children of God. That is a truth that makes that lie have no power. Okay, so the Bible gives us truth that we can stand on and we can use that sword to cut down lies. You can see yourself holding a sword and cutting lies out of your life because those lies steal from what God wants to do. Those lies also steal from your freedom and your peace and your identity. So our sword has a whole lot of power as we know God's word. 
Um, it doesn't do us any good to go to bed just holding our Bible or sleeping on it. It's not something you can get from osmosis. You have to spend time in it, and you have to spend time becoming familiar with truth. Um, if I were to introduce myself right now and say, hi, my name is Karen, and start talking, um, if you hadn't listened to any other podcast or maybe you didn't know us at all, you would fall for that lie because you had no place to know truth. But anybody that got on here that knew me would be like, uh, you're not Karen, you're Deanna. <laughs> we can only recognize lies to the degree that we know truth. That is why it is so important to spend time in God's Word. It keeps us from being deceived, deceived, and it also keeps us from settling for so much less than what God has for us. So, you have a sword. You have a sword in the Spirit. Um, and we want to spend some time today getting to know what that sword looks like because I have a feeling, and I know it has been true for me, once we allow God to show us what our sword looks like, it becomes a lot more personal. It becomes um, more real to us, and we will then be more willing to engage with it. We will be more willing to fight in that spiritual realm, and also it helps us to see what lies are coming against us, what the enemy is throwing at us, because we know that we need our sword to do battle to win. So we are going to have an ex exercise today where we ask God to show us our sword. So don't panic. I'm going to walk you through this um, kind of slowly and easily. Um, and it's, it's not hard. And what we have learned from experience is very seldom does God show two people the same sword. And right. um, I didn't realize I am not a sword kind of person. Um, I've watched some Disney. I've watched a few <laughs> movies here and there. So I knew a little bit my son who's like, this big reader and stuff. He knew the names of all kinds of different swords. But what I want you to do, um, we're going to pray and ask God to show us our sword in the spirit. And so just close your eyes. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask him to show you. And then maybe if you're good at drawing, maybe you draw a picture of what it looks like. Maybe you write down the details. I can't draw to save my life. So I would write down the details of what my sword looks like in the spirit. And I want you to take a second after God shows you what your sword looks like and ask God to show you what you look like holding it. How are you holding your sword? What is your stance in this moment? So those are two things that we are going to ask God to show us. I'm going to pray and then we're going to ask him to show us this. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that you did not leave us here to fend for ourselves and that you have provided armor, that you have provided truth for us to stand on, foundational truth that we can gain victory with. So Lord, I just ask that you will um, open our spiritual eyes to see what you want us to see. And in the name of Jesus, enemy, you have no place here. I bind you and I gag you and I tell you, you may not interfere in the name of Jesus. You and yours are banished and may not interfere in any way. Lord, I thank you for what you have for us to see. We ask all this in your precious son's name. Amen. Okay, 
Um, hopefully you were able to see what God wanted you to see. If you need a little more time and you want to spend some more time here, I'm just going to recommend that you pause right now and spend some time with God and let him just fully show you everything he wants you to see. Um, but if you are ready to keep going, we're going to let Colleen tell us what she saw when she was asking God to show her her sword. Okay, so I saw a really long, just straight sword, like you would your typical sword that most people would see or have. Um, you know how our mind will always go to, remember in this movie and this sword looked like this? <laughs> That's kind of where my mind went, but if you haven't seen the movie, then you wouldn't know, so I won't do that. But um, the handle is gold, and the shaft of the sword is silver, and there is something written on it that is in a different language that I don't know what it is. So that was my sword. <laughs> Great. Did you see um, yourself holding it? Did you see yourself in any kind I, I of... I did. I did. So I saw myself. So in previous times, my sword did not look like that at all. And it was just on my hip. Um, but when I saw myself with this one, I am actually holding it, which would, in my brain, be progress. <laughs> that, would be awesome. that is definitely progress, <laughs> for sure. So um, my sword... Um, is what is called, my son calls it a great sword. Um, it is a really large blade that is double-sided and it comes to a point and it also um, is thicker kind of in the middle and then comes to, you know, is sharp on both sides. One side is a really shiny gold and one side is a really shiny silver and the handle is wrapped in leather. And then the hand guard that goes across is, is not super embellished um, but it's definitely strong and sturdy. The interesting thing about my sword is if I see myself with it, I'm about the size of the handle of the sword. And the sword is incredibly large. And most of the time when I see myself with my sword, um, I'm not using it necessarily how you would imagine. I am helping people climb onto my sword and I am dragging them to safety out of the battle. So I may be pulling my sword behind me with five or six people seated on this sword and I am pulling them to safety um, out of the battle. So that has been my experience um, with my sword. And when I asked God to show me just now, I am still doing the same job he's had me doing for some time. So I hope that this was neat for you. I hope that you were able to see your sword um, and that you can kind of connect with it and and um, be maybe a little more excited to use it. Um, so what we're going to do now, we're prayed up well. We are going to listen for God. Okay, so question number one. What is one gift God wants to give you? What is one gift that God wants to give you? Okay, Deanna, what gift does God want to give you? He wants to give me rest. What is one gift God wants to give you? Okay, um, he told me peace. That's I don't awesome. hear that much. That's so that awesome. was nice to hear. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, question number two. Who does God say that you are? Who does God say that you are? So what did you hear? Okay. I heard loved. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I heard my adored child. Oh, very good, very good. 
Okay, question number three. Where is God presently working in your life? Where is God presently working in your life? teaching me to rest in him and pull from his strength instead of my own. Mm. I need that. (laughs) I need to be taught how to do that. Okay, question number four. Where does God want you to find him this week? Where does God want you to find him this week? Okay. All right. So... Um, we have a small group that meets on Thursdays, and he's normally always there, but he said, I want you to find me there. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, he told me he wants me to find him in the hard places. Oh, gosh. So, I don't know if that's good news or bad <laughs> news. The good news is he'll be in the hard places. The bad news may be that there, that there are going, going to, to be. be some hard places. Yeah, right. So, to find him in the hard places. Awesome. Well, that was the last question, so I will pray us out, and we will catch you at the next podcast. Lord, we love you. Thank you for who you are and for everything that you're doing in each person's life listening. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.